Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to episode four of season three of this podcast. This season has gotten off to a rocky start, and I'm not going to lie to you guys about that. But before I even got the first episode out, my car, well, it decided that it was all over and it was just going to die right there in the street in front of my house. Then the transmission went out on my wife's car. Then two weeks later, after expensive repairs on her car and getting rid of my car, her car caught on fire. (laughs) I mean, all you can do is laugh at this point. It's been a wild ride, but I got to say that even after all of that, I'm glad to still be here doing this podcast for you guys to hear. I kind of went through a little bit of an internal battle this morning on whether or not I wanted to continue doing this season or not, but uh, at the end of the day, I still like doing this, and I'm going to continue doing this, and I think that's the reason why this week's episode is so special. Because when I first heard It Hates You by He Is Legend, I was also in the middle of constant struggle. But back then, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't expecting it to happen. I wasn't quite as jaded as maybe I am now. It was all kind of new and super scary back then. And I feel like I lacked the maturity to deal with it in a positive way. But before I get into all that, I want to get into the real meat of this episode, which is... If you guys like this podcast, please make sure you guys are subscribed to it so that you don't miss new episodes when they come out. And if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow the links down in the show notes of this episode. And if you want to join the Discord server, guess what? There's a link for that too. And if you guys love the podcast, maybe leave it a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. You can always send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. And I want to apologize in advance if I don't respond right away, but rest assured I will read every email that you send me. And if you guys would like to help me pay for my various car explosions, I do have a Patreon, which if you don't see where this is going, there's a link to that in the show notes of this episode. And with all that out of the way, let's get into my thoughts and experiences with It Hates You by He Is Legend. Now, whenever you ask most He Is Legend fans when they got into the band, they're usually going to tell you that it was around 2004, and that was with their first album, I Am Hollywood. But for me, it wasn't until well into 2010 that I finally started paying attention to the band. And you might be thinking, Dan, why is that? The thing is, is that while I'm willing to admit that I Am Hollywood is an all-time classic album to me now... Back when it came out, it was the furthest thing from my mind. Hell, back in 2004, I only cared about whether a band thanked Jesus in their album booklet or not. See, His Legend was this odd choice for Solid State Records back then because that label was mostly known for putting out Christian metal bands. And His Legend just, they, they weren't that. And sure, they were friends with a lot of the bands that I listened to at the time, and they were on the same tours as some of my favorite bands, 
But at the tail end of high school, I didn't want anything to do with a band that didn't line up with my own personal set of spiritual beliefs. And there was something else about He Is Legend that I didn't like back then either. I remember seeing the music video for The Seduction and just not vibing with it at all. Probably because it's like a puppet show. And while it is funny and really entertaining, and this this really, honest to God, is just a me problem, at the time, I only liked music that was like super serious business all the time. And He Is Legend just projected this carefree and comedic sort of persona that it was just like oil and water with me at the time. Like even now I sometimes have trouble listening to bands where I don't necessarily think that they're like taking it seriously. And again, it's a me problem. It's something really stupid. And at the time I might've tried to describe the band as too immature for me to enjoy. But then you sort of have to wonder who was actually more mature. Is it a person that knows how to relax and maybe crack a joke every now and again? Or is it somebody that takes everything that they do and say way too seriously? But I'm getting ahead of myself. I successfully avoided listening to this band for about six years until about midway through 2010, if I'm being completely honest. And I was listening to Pandora while I was filling out job applications. And sometimes the label association for He Is Legend with other bands that I liked would cause Pandora to think that I wanted to listen to any bands other than the ones that I specified I wanted to listen to. And full transparency, I was pretty emotionally dead at that time. See, I was in the middle of filling out job applications because I hadn't had a job for about a month at that point. So for the first five hours of every day, I would sit there in my apartment with my laptop out and just apply for jobs while my wife went to work so that, you know, we could actually keep that apartment. It was really soul crushing and I was in the middle of taking one of those like 200 question personality profile tests that they always make you fill out on job applications. When the song Everyone I Know Has Fangs suddenly popped up on Pandora. Now, it had been a long time since I'd heard anything by He Is Legend, so I didn't really know who the band was whenever I was hearing them. But I was vibing really hard with this song. Now, normally I don't really like mainstream rock. Like, on my old podcast, I probably would have called it butt rock. For whatever reason, I was really enjoying this particular song. And I think the reason why I liked it is it reminded me of something that I might have listened to when I was in high school because before I got into like all this like ball dripping growling metal music I was really into stuff like Nirvana and Incubus and Foo Fighters and somewhere deep down that hard rock fan in me perked right up whenever I heard this song but because it was Pandora and Pandora sucks when the song was over it just went back to playing something else and I couldn't like rewind and go back and listen to it but the song had like caught my interest so much that i pulled up the song on youtube and i hit the repeat button and listened to that song for somewhere close to about three hours before it occurred to me to just go to itunes and pay the 10 bucks to hear the whole album which i have to admit i felt kind of guilty about because i bought that record with like dirty unemployment money just felt wrong so you know don't 
please don't, you know, report me, right? Because this was like 13 years ago. But the first thing that really stood out to me on this album was the bass and drums, which is unusual as I'm definitely more of like a vocals kind of guy. Like I really only pay attention to vocals a lot of the time. You know, in secondary, I might check out the guitar, but like the drums and bass, for the most part, I don't really pay attention to. But on this album, they absolutely demand that you pay attention to them. Hey, listen! And on top of that, you've got this really biting guitar tone that just cuts everything in its path to pieces. Like, it is so hard-edged without going into, like, straight-up extreme metal. It's, it's really interesting, and this record is, like, unique in that way. It rides this really fine line between heavy metal, like, and not even, like, classic heavy metal. I don't really know how to even describe it. It's, like, hard rock, but then you've got, like, these metal riffs, but, not, but then you've got, like, smooth vocals right but then also gritty vocals it's it's really he is legend is is just a very interestingly original band that will sound familiar to you but also sound completely unique and a lot of that is because you've got skylar's vocals which are kind of gritty and dirty for the most part but then he can come in and kind of smooth it all over if that's what the song needs him to do and it's the kind of record you only hear once in a while where like every element is absolutely in the pocket and is overflowing with raw energy. And it's energetic in a way that most mainstream rock just isn't. And while it borrows some of those formulas from mainstream music, his legend seems to have crafted something completely original out of it. You know, like they took apart the puzzle and put all the pieces back together in a way that made sense to them. And hopefully, you know, you like it. And from start to finish, the first time sitting on a couch in my underpants with no job, this record absolutely blew me away. The energy on this record is infectious. Like all of a sudden, I just wanted to get up and go for a walk or something, you know, after I put pants on. I just needed to get out of the containment of those four walls. I must have failed that personality evaluation that I was taking because I definitely never heard back from the company that I applied at. But I can say the last thing that I was expecting that day was to hear a set of songs that made me feel instantly invincible. Like, those songs got me. They understood what I was going through. And I was going through a variety of different things. So in the spirit of this podcast, let's get into these songs and what those things are. And just so you guys know, up front, I'm not going to do every single song because that would take several hours and uh, my Legend of Zelda game isn't going to play itself tonight. The first song, Dicephalus, hope I said that the right way. I'm so sorry if I didn't. It does feel weird saying phallus. I latched onto that first song right away. It starts off high energy with strong bass and drums and kind of just soothes you a little bit before this high energy heavy metal kicks in. The guitars are heavy and the song goes really, really hard in the chorus as Skylar screams, wire up the lie detectors, sound the alarm for me. And there's this certain sarcastic tone that Skylar has when he's singing that leaves a lot of what he actually says 
open to interpretation. And that's especially true on this song because I related to it in probably a really strange way. See, the reason that I was unemployed at that time was because I'd been fired from my job at the bank for about a month at that point. And this song reminded me a lot of that whole terrible day, as well as the several months that were leading up to it. See, I had just been promoted into a supervisor role at that bank, and I took it really seriously at the time. Like, I dressed up every day, I tried to relate to my coworkers on a personal level, and especially the tellers that I was their supervisor. So they were like, they weren't my employees, you, you guys get it. And I tried to be really, really respectful to my bosses. And it was a really big deal for me at the time because I was still in my 20s and I was trying my hardest to actually be taken seriously. But this didn't quite work out as planned because for whatever reason, they were just not buying what I was throwing down. I mean, I bought donuts, I planned meetings, I shared stories, I tried to coach people when I thought they needed coaching. And I tried to be really nice to everyone. But the things that they didn't like about me were like some of the most petty things. Like they didn't like the fact that I read Batman comics and I played Pokemon on my lunch breaks. And I caught wind that something was up when I overheard one of my tellers complaining to my boss about how she hated working for such a man child and how a grown up should try a little harder to act his age. And this person was like, five years younger than me and now I chalk that up to like maybe that's a one-off or they were just having a bad day and it made me feel kind of bitter but I didn't think that it was the end of the world but what I didn't realize is that this was happening nearly all day every day so even though I hadn't broken any rules or been mean or antagonistic to anybody it turned into months of every single thing that I did being scrutinized to death so eventually what started off as a personality conflict between me and the other staff members turned into a character assassination campaign where no matter what I did or said, I was in the wrong. And this ties into the song because the term dicephalus literally means having two heads, which to me describes exactly what my coworkers were like. They would be really nice to me to my face, but as soon as I was out of earshot, they would start talking about me. And if that's not two-faced or two-headed, I don't really know what is. But the lyrics of the song and the sarcastic delivery reminds me of that final day where I was eventually fired. And I had to sit in an office and be told that I was being fired and that I should have known that it was coming because I was some kind of bad person, even though the root of this issue was just a difference in personality. I was a bad culture fit. And these people did everything in their power to convince me that I was a bad person. And so it was pretty relatable hearing the lyrics labeled a criminal by your attacker and the mind bending hit. Or later on in the song, he said, you've got everybody else fooled, but we know who you are. And the song just seemed to fit that particular situation like a glove. And this song naturally fits with the theme of everyone I know has fangs. And while on the surface, this is a fast, hard driving song with lyrics that seem to be about a town filled with vampires. And the writer just notices for the first time that everybody he knows has, well, you know, fangs. I love all the weird voices that Skylar does on this song, but man, there's this epic buildup about two thirds of the way through the song that always gets me super hyped up. 
And I think as far as I was concerned at the time, this song wasn't wrong. I was reaching that age that we all reach where I started realizing that I wasn't the main character in my own movie and that the only person in the world who probably actually cares about me is my own wife. And I think friendships were easier when I was in my teens because you never had to actually rely on your friends for anything, you know, unless you were in a band, but that's a whole, that, that's last week's podcast. But whenever you get out into the real world and you start having actual problems, you start to realize that nobody really cares about you or what you're going through. And I'm sure that isn't actually true in every case, and it probably wasn't actually true for me back then either, but it was really hard not to feel that way. Because I remember in 2012, me and my wife were trying to buy a house, and the process ended up taking a lot longer than we thought it was going to, and we ended up having to move out of our apartment before we had a house to move into. So I had to move all of our stuff into my in-law's basement so that we could stay there for a few weeks until we could close on our house. And I called everybody that I knew asking for help. And almost everybody that I called said that they were totally going to show up and actually help that day. And then the actual day came and one person showed up. Shout out to my boy, Matt Gruinger. Love you, buddy. He was the perfect man. He never made a mistake. Me and Matt had to move several large pieces of furniture up flights of stairs and load them into our two tiny cars. I think I was driving like a, I was driving an SUV back then, but it's like really hard to fit a bookshelf in the back of an SUV when the seats don't fold down. That poor guy, Matt, he had no idea what he had signed up for. And here's the thing, that was a small infraction like I know that sometimes people don't show up for things. I've been doing podcasting for a long time, and that is really just the name of the game for things. People not showing up for things or people forgetting, and then like two days later, they're like, oh, hey, sorry, uh, I forgot about this. And so like those things don't necessarily bother me on their own now. But back then, it was whenever I was first starting to realize that it was like blatantly happening all of the time, even with people that I had been friends with for years. And not only that, you have the people that maybe show up for things that you don't really want them to show up for, right? Like, you can have a friend that you thought was your friend, you know, like, through thick and thin, only to realize that that person has actually just been using you and trying to suck the life out of you for years. And these are all experiences that I think that we can all relate to, but I sometimes have a tendency to feel like all of these things are only happening to me or that I'm the first person that ever discovered it. It's not true, but whenever I was out on my own at that time, I just felt that way. Eventually what ended up happening with that is that there's only a couple of ways you can deal with it, right? Either become like everybody else and you become flaky and you become hard to deal with, or you decide that you hate everyone and you go off and be a hermit. And I chose the latter. And that absolutely made me ultra paranoid in the process. Because I don't think that even today I'm truly recovered from a real life experience of a group of people, unironically, that were out to get me. 
it made me super mistrustful of everybody at any new workplace that I went to. Even when people were nice, I just didn't trust their motives. And it made me super bitter. And I just kept to myself for years after that. Standout lyrics from that song are, now I've got a party at my door and I'm laying on the floor just trying to catch my breath. If you'll just give me a minute. No, I don't need no other friends and I will not let you in. And if you don't go away, then I'm jumping out the window. Just a clear message. I don't trust any of you. Just leave me alone. And I think that's kind of the perfect setup for Stranger Danger. This is one of the first slower songs on the album, and Skylar delivers it smooth as glass at the start of the song. But as the song goes on, it progressively gets more and more unhinged over the course of seven minutes. And I've read the lyrics a bunch of times over the years, and while it's not a particularly uplifting song, because like as we're gonna find out, like none of them really are, which is a really cool contrast with like how sort of upbeat the songs actually are. But I always found this song comforting because it deals with something that I still struggle with today. And that's just how much we change as people over the years, either on purpose or subconsciously. In the chorus of the song, he sings, this is not for your eyes to see, so would you please stop staring at me? I think you'd better find a way out of this because I don't think you'll like what I've become. And this reminds me of how my gradual mistrust of other people in my life was actually affecting my relationship. It was affecting my wife. This was all before we had kids. And it was a very us versus the world type of situation. But see, she meant that hopefully, and I meant it literally. Over the course of three or four years, I had started to not resemble the person that she married. She married a guy who was optimistic, and hopeful about the future. But a few years later, here we are struggling with money, struggling with work. And even though I tried not to take it out on her, my overall negativity was so contagious that I would sometimes feel like I was bringing her down because I was so wrapped up in what I was feeling. All that mistrust, all that paranoia. And it would lead to me being harsher with other people whenever we went out places. We'd go out somewhere with friends and I'd either say something rude to somebody due to like some perceived slight or in a best case scenario, I wouldn't engage at all. And she just always seemed disappointed every time. And I felt like I was turning into this monster and I hated it. And eventually I became downright unrecognizable. It's just that I was coming to some really harsh realizations about life that I hadn't considered before that point. And the future looked really, really bleak. And honestly, from everything that I've talked about in the last two seasons of this podcast, I don't think that I was wrong to feel that way. But it still hurt, and it made me want to do better. At the end of the song, Skylar sings, you know it's getting very hard for me to look in the mirror with no reflection of my face. But that's not the hardest part for me. It's just knowing I won't see the light of day. It's just knowing I won't see the light of day. 
not ashamed to say, though, that I probably listened to this album more than like any other album during that period of my life because there was something about the energy in this record that makes it really infectious. Like, typically, I try to avoid songs that reaffirm my already negative outlook on the world, with the exception of these songs. And I guess it's just because there was something intangible about Skylar's sarcastic tone on this record. It's like all of the feelings that he lays bare on this album are 100% genuine. And while he's not wrong about feeling mistrustful of other people and that the future is bleak and it doesn't feel like things are going to get better, it's almost like he's cool with it on some level. Like maybe not cool with it, but like accepting of it acknowledging the state of things and just rolling with it the best he can. Which is why I think that Future's Bright Man is such an important turning point on this album, at least for me. The song's like really upbeat and actually really fun sounding. And it was like the kind of fun sounding that I, you know, said that I hated about Older He Is Legend. But here I was cool with it. In the chorus he sings, one thing you will learn in time. Things are always fine. One thing you will learn tonight. Everything is always all right. And I have to get this off my chest because it's been years, but I misheard the lyrics on that chorus up until I was doing this podcast and writing this script. I always thought the lyrics were, one day you will learn to lie. Everything is always all right. And thankfully the meaning that's there is still there, even if I got one word wrong. Either these Mandela effects are getting worse or I'm kind of starting to lose it, but the message is clear. How many times do people ask you every day how you're doing? And do you answer that honestly? No, of course you don't, because it's a greeting, right? Not an actual question, because as we sort of established earlier in this episode, if everyone is out for themselves, even if you were to admit that things aren't going great and that you're not, in fact, living the dream, they'll probably just not talk to you again. So instead, you smile and you say things are great because... That's what you have to do to get past that person, right? And get on to the next person and the next. And over time and several jobs and several failed friendships, I also learned to just roll with it and smile even when I didn't want to. I didn't have to deny the pain and the frustration. I could still feel it. I just kind of had to acknowledge that it was there and roll on. It's not even a permanent solution. It's a Band-Aid fix, like a cigarette or a bottle of whiskey. It's a, it's a small thing that I just had to continue moving forward with every single day to get through the day. It's not healthy and it's not advisable, but it will get you from point A to point B. And he ends the song by saying, And if you don't mind, I'd love to find somewhere else to live before I'm old because I'm younger than I feel. So again, no positivity here, but I don't think that's the point. The point is just to kind of deal 
and hope that things get better before we die. The song That's Nasty rolls in next, and although I don't have some sort of like pseudo-philosophical complainy thing to say about it lyrically, I do have to say it's probably one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard in my life. And what's funny about it is that it's all clean, smooth singing until the very end, but every verse is separated out by these excessively heavy riffs. unnecessarily heavy and it's very he is legend and it is so well done and i like the callback to future's bright man at the end where he says no i'm not feeling alive i feel just fine but he screams it in such a way that very much contrasts how he feels from what he's saying it's powerful stuff and it's one of the things that i love the most about he is legend and this album and speaking of excessively heavy riffs Shadow ends the album in truly epic heavy metal fashion. Furious drums and guitar that just beat you over the head like a tire iron, just over and over and over again. And when the vocals kick in, it doesn't slow down until like the 45 second mark where Skylar slows it down to deliver some truly disturbing words of horror. Sit back, relax, let your mind flow. Forget your worries, all your troubles. Let them free now, let them go. In no time you'll be haunted by my words. In no time you'll be stoned like two dead birds. And the lyrics of the song describe a person who seems to be rejected from society for the simple fact that he, quote, has the devil's eyes. And now you're casting out his shadow. It almost sounds like this person is being hunted. And strangely enough, this is the second song on the album that sounds more like the plot of a horror movie than a song. But I'll be honest, I don't really know what the true meaning or intention behind the words are for this song. But there is one particular moment that brings the whole album together for me. And that's the four minute and three second mark where the music takes a suddenly uplifting turn as he sings... Don't you turn out the light. Don't plan on shutting my eyes. Don't you turn out the light. Some things go bump in the night, afraid of my shadow. And it's kind of an acknowledgement of what I've been saying this whole episode. The situation is always dire. The odds are always stacked against you. 
things probably are not going to get better. And that just sucks to think about. And this album doesn't provide any kind of like uplifting solution to that problem. Its only solution is acknowledgement. So why do I find this record so comforting to listen to? Shouldn't it just make me more depressed? Well, I'm sure that it did in some of my darker moments, but something I've been trying to convey through doing this podcast is that sometimes acknowledgement can be the key to recovery. You can't recover from a situation unless you know what situation you're in. You have to know all the details and what leads up to it before you can attempt to fix those problems. So just knowing that somebody else besides me was going through the same wave of negative emotions that I was, was very comforting to me. And that's why music is powerful because it always seems to meet me where I'm at. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. If you guys found any value in this podcast, make sure to share it with other people who you think might also find value in it. I love and appreciate every single one of you that listens to this podcast every week. And I'm always available to chat via email, social media, or on Discord. So I hope to hear from you soon. I'll see you all next week.